grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. for this 12th Sunday after Pentecost is found in the book of Genesis chapter 15 beginning at the first verse. After these events the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, do not be afraid Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. Abram said, Lord God, what can I give what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram also said, Look, you have given me no offspring, so a servant born in my house will be my heir. <coughs> Just then the word of the Lord came to him. God said, This man will not be your heir, but him said, One who will come out of your own body will be your heir. The Lord then brought him outside and said, Now look toward the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. He said to Abram, This is what your descendants will be like. Abram believed in the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of our Lord. The epistle lesson and sermon text for today is found in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Faith is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced about things we do not see. For by this faith, the ancients were commended in Scripture. By faith, we know that the universe was created by God's word so that what is seen did not come from visible things. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, and he left without knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the promised land, as if it did not belong to him, dwelling in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham also received the ability to conceive children, even though Sarah herself was barren, and he was past the normal age, because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from one man, and he as good as dead, descendants were born as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand along the seashore. One by one, all of these died in faith without having received the things that were promised. But they saw and welcomed them from a distance. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Indeed, people who say things like that make it clear that they are looking for a land of their own, a 
And if they were remembering the land they had come from, they would have had an opportunity to return. They, indeed, they were longing for a better land, a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God, because he prepared a city for them. This is the word of our God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 32nd verse. Jesus is speaking and he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, because your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide money bags for yourself that do not become old. A treasure in heaven, in the heavens, that will not fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Be like people waiting for their master re to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Blessed are those servants when the master will find watching when he comes. Amen, I tell you. He will dress himself and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. Even if he comes in the second or third watch, they will be blessed if he finds them alert. But know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. You also be ready, because the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you are not expecting him. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen portion of God's word for our consideration this morning, the epistle lesson, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Faith is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced about the things we do not see. For by this faith the ancients were commended in Scripture. By faith we know that the universe was created by God's word, so that what is seen did not come from visible things. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, and he left without knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the promised land, as if, he did not belong, as if it did not belong to him, dwelling in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham also received the ability to conceive children, even though Sarah herself was barren and he was past the normal age, because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from one man, and he as good as dead, Descendants were born as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand along the seashore. One by one, all these died in faith, without 
received the things that were promised, but they saw and welcomed them from a distance. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Indeed, people who say things like that make it clear that they are looking for a land of their own. And if they were remembering the land they had come from, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better land, a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God, because he prepared a city for them. This is the word of our God. How do you know a thing? How do you know that something is real? Is it real just because somebody you know tells you so? Or are you like the inhabitants of the state of Missouri, whose state motto is the show me state? Do you have to be shown something to make sure that it's real? Or maybe you don't even trust your eyes. Do you have to hold it in your hand? Do you have to touch it to know that it's real? Today we talk about faith. The writer of the Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, defines faith for us. Faith is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced about things we do not see. By faith we know that the universe was created by God's word so that what is seen did not come from visible things. We believe and confess, according to the first article of the Apostles' Creed, that God created the heavens and the earth. We read that in Genesis 1 and 2, don't we? And we hold to that as one of the key tenets of our faith. Which of you were there? Well, none of us were, right? We're not that old. Not even Moses was there, but yet he writes about it by inspiration of the Lord. He writes how in a very orderly way God in six 24-hour days created the universe out of what was not seen by God's holy word. And John in John chapter 1 repeats that, that by the word of the Lord, God created the heavens and the earth. And the writer of the Hebrews repeats that as well. Over and over in scriptures we are told that and we believe it by faith. Faith is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced about things we do not see. Let's go to the other end of the timeline. We talk about creation at the beginning of it all. What about the end? What about heaven? By faith, we long for heaven. Which of you have been there? Which of you have seen it and experienced it? 
Well, none of us have, because we're still living here on this earth. But yet, by faith, we believe and know it's there. Do we just do this because we are superior human beings and have a greater intellect than other people? Is this just something that is in us by nature? No. This faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. This faith is a gift from God. Because left on our own, we would only know and trust in the things we can actually touch and see for ourselves. Scripture tells us by nature we are enemies of God. And if we are by nature enemies of God, then anything God would tell us, we would scoff at him and say, well, I'm not going to believe that. You're my enemy. But God has come to us through word and sacrament, hasn't he? He has come to us and blessed us with that gift of the Holy Spirit and has given us that faith which clings to the promises of God, which clings to his holy word. And now we are sure about what we hope for. And we are convinced about the things that we do not see. Not because we, in and of ourselves, in our human nature, are so above it all, but because God, has given us that faith. And this chapter of the book of Hebrews is called the heroes of faith. And we hear it again and again and again when we read this chapter. It rings out like a bell. By faith, by faith, by faith. It's not Abraham on, its own, on his own. It's not Isaac on his own. It's not Jacob on his own. It's by faith these people believed. And so do we. By faith, that gift of the Holy Spirit that works through word and sacrament, creating and strengthening that faith that clings to the promises of God, that knows the world was created by the hand of God out of what was not seen, creating everything that we do see. The very chairs we're sitting in, the very cars we traveled in every element known to man. Everything we'll ever experience created by the hand of God. And more importantly, the glorious heaven that we, along with the believers of old, not just look forward to, but long for. We can't wait for. We look forward to. As I said earlier, Pastor Siles traveled to Phoenix to preach a sermon for his uncle. Earlier this week, one of our sisters in the faith, Beth Shadell, was called home to the glories of heaven. Now, those two individuals did not gain heaven on their own merit. Heaven is given to them through the merits of Jesus Christ, one for them and one for us on the cross of Christ and given them by faith. We heard in the Old Testament lesson, Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him 
as righteousness. Those of you that are familiar with Abraham know he wasn't always an upstanding person. He lied to Pharaoh about Sarah, called Sarah his sister when he was in Egypt, not just once but twice, not trusting that the Lord would protect them at all times. Abram himself given a promise not once but many times from your own body, from you and Sarah, I will make a nation as numerous as the stars in the sky. In fact, our third stained glass window over there reminds us of that glorious promise. What did Abram do? When the promise wasn't coming fast enough, well, there was always Sarah's handmaiden Hagar, if the Lord is not going to bring about this promise soon enough, I'll have a child by Hagar. As we know with Ishmael, that didn't work out very well. Then there was tension and hatred, not only between the children, but in the household to the point where Hagar and Ishmael had to be sent away. The Lord still had plans for Abram as he still has plans for us? Are we, yes, as children of God, as children of faith, do we always wait for the Lord to bring to fruition his promises in us? Do we sometimes take matters in our own hands and say, well, things aren't quite happening the way I think they should so I'll take matters in my own hands and, and do it my way. Maybe the Lord will bless them. And then we find out that, no, it doesn't turn out the way we thought they would. And we should have waited for the Lord to let things work in his own way and have the Lord bless them as, as he has promised to do. But yet, does the Lord abandon us at those times? No. He still loves us. We have our ups and downs, as Abram did. And I'm not trying to make light of that. Abram was a sinner. And we are too. At those times when we fail to trust the Lord in all things. But yet, what does the Lord do? Did the Lord say, you know, Abram, I brought you to this land. I blessed you with an army's worth of servants, enough to beat the kings of Sodom. And I blessed you with flocks and wealth, and yet you didn't trust me in all things. Did the Lord say, I'm done with you, Abram? No. He continued to bless him over and over, and we are told, even in the Old Testament lesson and here in the epistle, that the Lord blessed him and Sarah, even when physically and humanly speaking, it was beyond what either of them thought would be possible. Remember Sarah? When the Lord said, I'm going to come back at this time, and you're going to have a child. And what did Sarah do in the tent? She laughed. Yes, a laughter of joy, but also a laughter of, are you kidding me? I'm going to have a child? I'm so old, and Abram's even older? Are you kidding me? And they ended up naming the child Isaac? 
which in Hebrew means laughter. But the Lord made good on his promise, didn't he? And the Lord blessed them. And through Isaac blessed us. Because we are part of those spiritual descendants from Abraham. Because through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and David and Mary and Joseph came the Savior who died in our place and who said, you are forgiven of all your sins. And through Christ we have heaven above to which Abraham was looking, to which Isaac was looking, to which Jacob was looking, and to which we are looking as well. That promised land which lies in our future. We don't have it yet. It says, by faith Abraham lived as a stranger in the promised land, as if it did not belong to him, dwelling in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham started off in modern-day Iran and Iraq, the area of the, Medi of, of, the, of the Tigris and the Euphrates. And God gave him and said, Abram, leave your family. Go to a land you haven't seen. Abram didn't have Google Maps. He couldn't pull it up on, on some type of map and say, oh, okay, land of Israel between the Jordan and the Mediterranean. Okay, I know where I'm going now. Had no clue. What did he do? Packed up and left. And he went where God told him to go. I'm not saying it's sinful to use Google Maps or any other map you want to use to find out where you're going when you're going on a trip. That's not my point. But Abraham went by faith to a land he had never seen. And actually a land except for the place where he buried Sarah at the cave of Machpelah, he would never own. He never owned the land of Israel, except for that burial plot for Sarah. And Isaac didn't, live, didn't own any of it. He lived in tents. He was a sojourner. He walked about from here to there. Jacob, same thing. But they died believing the promise that this land would belong to their ancestor, to, their, to those who would come after them, to those who would carry that promise, not only of the promised land, that nation of Israel, but a land far greater than that. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Now we're looking forward to the book of Revelation, that wonderful city described in Revelation. The city, the new Jerusalem. Not a physical city, but the city, the people, all believers gather together in the glories of heaven. Believing in the promises of God, the promises of Christ Jesus, that forgiveness is yours and ours and for all people through the blood of Christ. The writer of the Hebrews goes on and says, one by one, all of these died in faith. Makes a point of that. Yeah, they died. 
and their bones are scattered. Many of them in the land of Israel, many of them in that cave of Machpelah, where Sarah's bones are laid, without having received the things that were promised. Like I said, Abram didn't own the land, Isaac didn't, Jacob didn't. But they received the glories of heaven. But they saw and welcomed them from a distance. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Indeed, people who say things like that make it clear that they are looking forward for a, to a land of their own. And if they were remembering the land they had come from, they would have had an opportunity to return. Does that make you think of anyone in Scripture? Anyone from around Abram's time, from the book of Genesis? Makes me think of Lot's wife. I don't know if that came to mind for you, but it did for me. Remember they're fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah? God's going to rain down the fire and brimstone. Lot and his daughters and Lot's wife are all fleeing. The angel of the Lord said, go, go to Zoar, go. I'll spare that little village, but you've got to go and don't look back. What did Lot's wife do? She looked back, and it wasn't just the act of turning back to see the destruction. It was the act of turning back and longing for what she had left. And the Lord turned, to a, turned her to a pillar of salt. I'm reminded of that as I read these words. And if they were remembering the land they had come from, they would have had opportunity to return. Abram could have gone back to the Tigris and Euphrates area, modern-day Iran and Iraq. He could have gone back. Nothing was holding him there. But God, had not, God had not put up a wall, so he couldn't go back. He could have said, you know, Lord, this land is nice, but I don't own anything here. At least if I had gone back, I could have inherited the land that my father had there. I could have been a landowner. I could have been somebody. But he didn't. He stayed there because he trusted the Lord. He was also looking forward to the future. Instead, they were longing for a better land, a heavenly one, as so do we. The glories of paradise ahead. The glories of paradise that those who have gone before us in faith are already enjoying. At a funeral service, especially at the graveside, we may lay their mortal remains mortal remains to rest in the ground for their soul is already in heaven enjoying that paradise that we look forward to and we will be with them in the glories of heaven when our time comes whether we pass away here before judgment day or judgment day comes first either way we'll be with them along with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and this section of God's word ends, for that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God because he prepared a city for them. In Greek, a double negative is something that emphasizes a positive. Now in English, we're taught, right, don't use a double negative, not good English. Fine. In Greek, it emphasizes the positive. God is not ashamed 
That means he is very proud. Very proud to be called their God. Why? Because Abraham was such an upstanding person and never sinned? No. Because by faith, it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. By faith, this gift of God. By faith, you too are sons and daughters of God. Not because we ourselves are holy, but because righteousness is credited to us through faith as the gift of God. The same God who grants us faith to cling to those promises, to receive that righteousness. And God sees us through the blood of Christ as washed clean, as we heard earlier in the service, forgiven of all our sins. And God is very proud to be called our God, washed by the blood of Christ. And how do we know that? By what God has done. He has prepared a city for them and for us, that glorious new Jerusalem in heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ, by faith, long for that glorious heavenly home. Amen. And now may that peace of God which transcends all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.